Welcome to Truth Culture Life. I am Royce Hood, and it's so great to be with you today at Catholic Spirit Radio and anywhere else that you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And I am joined by our co-hosts, Father Michael Orsi from Naples, Florida, the uh, the illustrious Father Orsi. How are you, Father? Marvelous, marvelous. How's the uh, the sciatica treating you? Well, it's it's uh, it's behaving itself. It's a good day. That's good. That's really good. I, I, yeah. uh, good. Good stuff. And look who it is. We found her. We're not sure where she's been, but Sierra Heidkamp is back with us today. Sierra, welcome. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. It's been such a month. I can't. Oh. I'm so grateful to be here today. We'll, we'll have to have you. We'll catch up on all the adventures of Sierra later on in the show if we have time. But for now, let's bring in our first guest. We're joined by Mary Beth Bracey from the Sophia Institute. Mary, how are you? Welcome to the program. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So first of all, um, you are involved in all sorts of different things. What is? Are you involved formally with Sophia Institute aside from um, this book that we're going to talk about? Yes. So actually, I work for them as a copywriter and also as a publicity coordinator as well. Awesome. Yeah. So you and I have been in touch coordinating some of the interviews that we've had recently. So that's how I've gotten to know you a little bit just via email. This is the first time I think I've ever seen you or um, really heard your voice even. So welcome. Welcome to the show. It's nice to have you. Thank you. All right. So um, we're going to be talking about I would like to travel the world, which to be honest with you, I would like to travel the world. I have Someday. actually traveled the world to some extent. Um, Father Orson and I have been to D.C. a few times together. The swamp. Um, we were in the swamp. We were. In the, it is very swampy there. You have to be careful. <laughs> I've been a few other places. But that's not what we're talking about, folks. We're not talking about where I want to go. We're talking about the book. Tell us a little bit, uh, Mary Beth, if you can, about the book, I Would Like to Travel the World. Sure. So it was written by the French bishop, actually from St. Therese's hometown in Lejeu, Bishop Guy Goucher, and it was recently translated from the French to the English by Sophia Institute Press. The book is divided into three parts. The first one is about St. Therese, the miracle maker, and it actually documents miracles from the 1990s into the 2000s, so very recent modern-day miracles. And the second part of the book talks about why St. Therese as doctor of the church is revolutionary. And lastly, it talks about St. Therese, the missionary and her relic tour throughout the world. Wow. That's, that's really, really awesome. Can you tell us anything about some of the miracles? Yes. So there's 17 different miracles and Bishop Goucher, when he was in Lejeune, he would have thousands of people sending him mail with all of these different miracles. So he selected some of the miracles that he thought were most compelling and they really range through a variety of people from different walks of life. Some people who may have already had a solid faith, some people who were agnostics and very much against the church. Um, but miracles took place in the lives of doctors, in the lives of infants, in the lives of middle-aged people, some who were really in desperate straits, either because of their physical, mental, or emotional health, um, some who received also really dramatic conversions and spiritual healings as well. Wow. I was just reading on the description of the book, and it said, until the end of the 1930s, the Carmel of, I'm going to get this wrong, Father's going to have to help me here, Lisieux? Did Lisieux. I say that right? Yeah, Lisieux. Lisieux. I said it right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, There's a lot of there. 
Uh, okay, so regularly published Reign of Roses, collections of testimonies of people healed, converted, reconciled through the intercession of little uh, Teresa. Did I say her name right? I'm, I'm always afraid I'm getting things wrong. Um, had promised to spend her heaven doing good on earth. Wow. So, um, and so the people will be able to read about some of those um, testimonies in this book? Definitely. Yes. So, one of my favorites, for instance, is sometimes just how sometimes I think we think of the miraculous as something really extraordinary, but so how sometimes St. Therese would intercede for people in very ordinary events. So, this one woman whose husband was basically dying had to run out to the store um, and pick up some groceries for her children. And when she was in the parking lot of the grocery store, she happened to look down on the ground and she found a relic of St. Therese right there by her feet. She picked it up, not really knowing what to do with it or if she should take it, went back to the hospital, was without hope. And she decided that her husband, who had been in a coma and completely paralyzed, she would just place it on the on his forehead and see if anything happens. And he revived. And over the course of the next few months, he was gardening again. So just really dramatic, amazing stories um, that happened because of something seemingly insignificant to start off with. That's amazing. Father, can you tell us a little bit about the significance of that theologically, like placing a relic on somebody that's sick? I've heard that. I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Uh, relics are uh, a way of reminding us that we are not separated from those who have gone before us, especially when we talk about the lives of the saints. And it makes us realize that we still have a connection with them and that uh, because they are in heaven doesn't mean that uh, we have no communication with them. The expression is that heaven is porous, that we still have relationship with the saints and the saints can still intercede for us. And uh, they're, they're the part of their, their body, first class relic, second class relic, something that belonged to them, third class, something that was touched to a first class, uh, tells us that we are still in touch with that person and that that person is still a way of conveying to us God's special graces. So that's the, that's what uh, relics are all about. That's, that's amazing. Um, what, I mean, is what, what do you hope will be accomplished with this book, Mary Beth? And in your role, you're the spokesperson for this book. Yes, that's correct. Um, so what I really hope will happen is that people realize the depths of God's love for them and that St. Therese is a doctor of the church because St. John Paul II said that her spirituality is about the science of love. And so it was all about coming to God as our Heavenly Father and realizing that we can just be little and small in his arms and approach him with confidence and love. And it might sound really simplistic, but when we try to practice it in our day-to-day -day lives, I think that can be sometimes much harder than we imagine. Um, so I'm hoping that people definitely encounter God in a personal relationship with him and then also come to love St. Therese and see how she did travel the world, even though she lived in a convent by her prayers and her little sacrifices. Wow. Uh, and okay. And then pe where can people find this book? At sophiainstitute.com. All right. And the, and the name of the book again is I would like to travel the world. Um, let's switch topics briefly and have any of you, Father Orsi Sierra or Mary Beth traveled the world at all. And where have you gone? Well, I guess I've traveled part of the world, not all of the world, uh, mostly Western Europe, uh, Asia, Southeast Asia, and Brooklyn, New York. Uh, 
Okay, okay, let's let's do it this way. Where is the coolest or most unusual place that you've been? Hmm. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> right here in the US. That's yeah. it. That's it. There's you never no. know what you're seeing in Brooklyn. You really don't. <laughs> really no, funny, I, I, I for think, that matter, any part of New York. Yeah, uh, quite honestly, I, I think the most intriguing place uh, for me was uh to be in the Holy Land. I, I really enjoyed that. That was oh. my answer, Father. Oh, oh all right, sorry. Sierra, let's go to Sierra, and then we'll go to you, Mary Beth. All right, Sierra, I you're sp- up. Coolest spent, or most unusual place? Hold, I hold spent on. two and a half week weeks in Israel in 2018. So we traveled into Palestine. I went to Gaza. I spent a lot of time in the Holy Land. Camped out in the desert with nomadic tribes. It's probably the coolest wow. and most unusual place I've ever been. Wow. Yeah, I camped out at the King David Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> father's, father's idea of camping is sort of uh, somewhere between like a Ritz Carlton and uh, as long as it's got a few stars, right, Father? That, that's it. I, I just want a bed and air conditioning and food. That's it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think that the, something I'll never forget. So when we stayed in the desert, we actually had to ride in by camel. And then when we spent the night, the mountains there are so old and they're so tall. It's like they touch the clouds. Like in some points, you can't even see the tops of the mountains. Wow. So when folks talk going to the Rockies, and I've spent time in British Columbia, um, the mountains are massive. The biggest part of the Rockies, they're even bigger in Israel. I can't explain it. It's crazy. Wow. Well, the the we'll have to have a whole other show about riding on the camels. I mean, that's uh, father. I mean, oh, what, what, yeah. I did. I you did. did. I'm kind of the darn the darn thing stinks. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right, Mary Beth, you're up. Coolest and most unusual place that you have traveled. This is difficult because under John Paul II, I was a World Youth Day groupie, so I've been some, to some interesting places. I did travel to Lejeune, and I've been to Lourdes as well, which was awesome. Um, however, the furthest away I've been was actually to World Youth Day in the Philippines in 1995, and that was really an amazing celebration, still called, I believe, the largest crowd in history so okay wait now obviously i have to get it we have to get some details on what did you say the the john paul you're a groupie yes <laughs> under saint john paul ii i attended four world youth days so i i would call myself a groupie okay so it's not like an official title it's uh instead of being like a groupie with a rock band you're a groupie with a future saint that's pretty cool yes yes definitely i i like that i like that okay wow well i you know I have not been to the Holy Land. Medjugorje is probably the most interesting place, but I have ridden on the back of an elephant in northern Thailand, and we actually crossed into what's known as the Golden Triangle, where Thailand, Burma, and Laos meet. And it was that was really interesting. So I'll have to tell that story another time. But wow, you, I mean, I don't know how we beat riding on camels or the World Youth Day or, or even Brooklyn for that matter. Um, I can't be can't be Brooklyn. Yeah, one of my uh, and I'll get back. We'll go back into the book here in a second. But when I when I think of New York, I think of there's an old um, teenage New, uh, mutant Ninja Turtles movie from like the '90s. And in the movie, there's just a random shot where one of the Ninja Turtles is running with a trench coat through. It might have been the streets of Brooklyn or somewhere. You know, it might have been the Bronx or something. And a taxi driver is in the car, and the the t- Ninja Turtle slides across the hood of the taxi car. And the guy, the passenger in the taxi car, is like, you know, what on earth was that? And the taxi driver just kind of shrugs. It looked like a turtle in a trench coat. Oh, where are you going, LaGuardia? Like, it was like, no big deal. <laughs> this is New York. We see all sorts of things here in New York. 
That's right. There are no surprises. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So father's probably never seen a Ninja Turtle in uh, New York, but we are joined by special guest, Mary Beth Bracey from the Sophia Institute. Mary, uh, what is, what is next? I mean, so obviously people can buy this book. Um, what is next? I mean, is there, is there anything else coming out related to this book or is there anything else about the book that you want to share with us before we jump to our first commercial break? Oh, sure. So I guess I would just say, even though I'm, I've also been called a St. Therese addict because I have like an entire bookshelf of books on her and because I really seek to imitate her spirituality, I was really struck by this book because of the miracles almost read like a novel, even though they're testimonies from people. Um, it, it's really very compelling and it was hard to put down. Um, and I just learned so much about St. Therese and was so inspired on how she brought so many people to the faith and just basically the revolution of love she ignited in everyone's hearts. Uh, I have one more question and then I'll see if anybody else has a question for you, but how did you get involved as being the spokesperson for this really cool book? So I have written and spoken a lot about St. Therese for several years. And I also wrote a book about St. Therese called The Little Way to Healing Love Through the Passion of Jesus, The Stations of the Cross Through St. Therese of Lejeu. So I guess I figured like a good candidate for the spokesperson role. I love it. Go ahead. Father O or Sierra, any questions for Mary Beth? No, I just want to thank you for all the work you've done uh, with making sure that, you know, we have folks to talk to and books to promote on the show. It's been a wild ride. (laughs) And I think all the interviews have gone very well. So. Yeah. Just let me say that uh, I'm very impressed with the output of uh, Sophia Press. Uh, so who's ever in charge over there, tell them that they're doing a very good job. Hey, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, hey, before we go, uh, our, our listeners on the radio can't see, obviously. Uh, I don't think they can anyway. It'd be weird if they could. But uh, on the video, we have backgrounds. And Mary Beth, your background is really pretty cool. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what is behind you Um during the interview. Sure. So directly behind me is actually a painting of St. Therese that one of my friends, Kathy Coffers, painted for me several years ago because she also shares a devotion to her. And then I have some statues of some of my favorite saints, including um, St. Kateri Takawitha. And there's one of Our Lady and St. Anne as well, one of St. Clair. Very cool. Well, absolutely beautiful. Uh, clearly, you're living your faith and you're, um, you're promoting your faith through all the good works that you're involved with. So thank you so much, Mary Beth. And we look forward to uh, having more guests from Sophia on this program. And in the meantime, for our listeners, be sure to check out I Would Like to Travel the World. Uh, and you can find that at sophiainstitute.com. We will post the link on our Facebook page as well. So thanks so much, Mary Beth, for joining us. And we'll go to our first commercial break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll be right back. Don't recognize yourself. Wondering about your next step? Ashley was in school and pregnant when she reached out to the Pregnancy Resource Center. Would she be judged? Would she be accepted? What she found at LAPRC was a team of people who were committed to providing excellent care and compassionate support to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. If you or someone you know is in a situation like Ashley, 
Or if you want to help support women and families in our community, you can find us at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. An inspiring multimedia live performance about the first black Catholic priest in the United States will be performed for the public at 7 p.m. on September 9th at Peoria Notre Dame High School and on September 10th at Peru St. Beat Academy. We want no totems in this place. I shall work at it and pull at it as long as God gives me life. Get out of Quincy, go elsewhere, get! May I never give up. Learn more at ToltonDrama.com. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life at Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening. And we were just joined by Mary Beth of Sophia Institute. uh, And we were talking about the new book, I Would Like to Travel the World. So be sure to check that out at sophiainstitute.com. Also be sure to follow us at Facebook. Um, Sarah, what's our Facebook plug? Sarah knows it better than I do. Uh, Truth Culture Life Pod, P-O-D. P-O-D, I like it. Um, I think, wasn't there an old like rock band called P-O-D or something? Ooh, I would not know that. That's a, I, I don't know. <laughs> I grew okay. up listening to Merle Hager. I don't know anything about rock bands. <laughs> the uh, the the Facebook uh, tag has nothing to do with the rock band. If I'm, I could be wrong. All right. Well, we are joined by another guest, uh, Andrew Schulberg. I've known actually, Andy. I, I've known you for a, a number of years because of Thomas More Society. We haven't had that much interaction recently until this week, when I was <laughs> I was asked by Thomas More Society to cover an important hearing. For Andy. Andy is a pro-lifer. And much like Father Orsi, Andy gets himself into trouble sometimes. Oh, come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been a troublemaker. I've given the Thomas More Society some business. They've had to defend, defend me uh, in several cases, including the one you just helped me with. So, a- Andy, if you could tell us, can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Um, what got you in trouble? Well, I've been uh, regularly uh, praying and demonstrating at the local abortion mill uh, called Bread and Roses. Now, that's an odd name for a center that kills, kills children. Um, and there's a prayerful presence there. There are, there are prayer warriors. There are sidewalk counselors. And very often we like to display signs, uh, signs indicating where women can get help, the phone number they can call, or God loves you, God loves your baby, uh, signs like that. 
And the police uh, over the years haven't given us too much trouble, not too much hassle. But in recent in recent weeks, uh, they've been clamping down on the signs. And I was very concerned when one of the pro-lifers told me that uh, that they were being bullied into removing signs. They were being told that you can't you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't set a sign a sign down. You have to pick it up and carry it up, up off the ground. Uh, when I heard that, it ticked me off. And I decided not to be bullied on it. I, somebody had to stand up for their rights. And so I, um, so I carried one sign, and then I had three other signs right next to me at the edge of the sidewalk leaning against a bush. And uh, the abortion mill employee came out and took a picture of the, uh, of the uh, signs uh, with glee, you know, knowing that the code enforcement officer would would ha- would hassle me about it, the code enforcement officer came and instructed me to remove the signs. I asserted my constitutional rights. I told her she was breaking the law by insisting that I remove the signs, and I suggested that she call the police uh, if if she had a problem. And uh, she said, well, that's what I was going to do anyway. So then she called the police. Uh, a police lady came. And uh, I greeted her. I said, well, I'm really glad you came because uh, I have a disagreement here with the code enforcement officer. She's trying to uh, trample my constitutional right to display these signs. Well, the police lady and the code enforcement officer, they went back to her cruise, uh, cruise car and uh, had a long conference. And um, when they came back, uh, they uh, well, they showed me uh, some wording in an ordinance. Now I, I had I forgot to say that I had demanded to see this ordinance that you have to pick a sign up off the ground. I I knew they were making that up, uh, or I strongly suspected. Well, the, the ordinance that they quoted said nothing about having to hold a sign up off the ground. Uh, so then I just pointed out to them, I called them out for making that up. But the police lady said, look, you've got to remove these signs. The, at, and I refused. Um, at that point, she, um, she rushed toward my signs and grabbed one of them, you know, stealing it, essentially. Then I did something that was maybe a little imprudent, but just by reflex, I snatched it back from her because I realized that she was serious about confiscating the signs. And then I picked up the other two to prevent their confiscation. And uh, later on, you and Peter Breen, another TMS attorney, told me that it was not a good idea to snatch the sign back from her. But, you know, that's what happened. At any rate, uh, they went back to the uh, to the cop car, came back a few minutes later, and handed me a citation um, for a fine. And uh, it wasn't a big fine, but it was. Um, I just felt well. I, I and I told them I'm not going to pay this fine. I'm requesting a hearing. And uh, she said, "Well, that's your right to do that." And then uh, as they were walking away, I congratulated them for breaking the law. And the, the police lady looked back and with a sincere look of bewilderment on her face, she said, well, what law did I break? And I said, 
the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. And then we all left. So instead of paying the fine, I requested a date for a hearing. And uh, a few days later, the notice came in the mail that the hearing was set for September 7th. Well, I really didn't want to represent myself. <laughs> There's an adage that a man who represents himself in court has a fool for a client. And maybe some people can do it. But I think one reason why it's not a good idea is because you, um, it's easy for you to lose your cool if you're defending yourself because you're, it's a personal fight. But an attorney is uh, standing next to you and he's able to be more objective about it and argue on an even keel you know, w without, uh, without uh, you know, exploding in anger or any, any such thing. So I called the Thomas More Society and I asked for their help. And they, they've helped me over the years when I've gotten myself into trouble. And um, shortly before the hearing, then I found out that Royce, I was very pleased to hear that, Roy, that you, Royce, would be my attorney because I knew you from, from events in Naples, Florida. And, and I think that's where I met you before. Um, and so we had some productive uh, phone conferences and Peter Breen was helping us, uh, your associate Peter Breen at Thomas More Society. And, you know, we felt, uh, we felt that there was a strong basis for winning the case. Um, but these cases aren't always easy to win because, uh, because of various legal things. But um, now, wow. yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, no, I mean, there, there's so much to unpack there. And uh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting. Not every day. A lot of times, people, uh, you know, obviously, you have to be respectful to law enforcement. Um, that's important, being respectful, right? And we, I always tell people that as an attorney, it's just better for you, just like kind of being, even if you don't agree, you know, being respectful. But there comes a point where you also, uh, you know, need to be prudent. And uh, you need to stick up for your rights as well. Um, and, and so, you know, there's definitely a fine line there. And I'm not going to say where that line is, but certainly praying in front of a, an abortion clinic. I mean, we've seen time and time again, and Thomas More Society is involved in cases all across the country. Frankly, they, they've, they don't need any more cases, but there, there's a never ending shortage of them. And we've got, you know, priests being arrested for praying rosaries. We've got um, you know, it's just, it's just nonstop. Um, so, okay. Tell, tell, so, so we're almost, we're almost done. And then I'll, I'll open up to some questions. Um, I mean, certainly I, I'm sure all of us have been in front of an abortion clinic praying before a Andy, what happened? What happened? Uh, you can just spill the beans for us. Uh, at the hearing. <laughs> well, um, we appeared by zoom. It was a zoom meeting. And we noticed, or I noticed, uh, uh, that there was no police lady there or code enforcement officer there to testify against me. So they, they hadn't shown up. And then you, when our case was called, you introduced me, or you, you introduced yourself and said you were representing me. And then a lady representing the city uh, announced that the city of Gainesville had decided on September 6th, the day before, to dismiss the citation. Victory. So we won. And I think the one reason we ran, we won is because we were ready for a fight. Uh, they were just looking to collect a fine. Um, and we were ready for a fight. And they had no will 
to defend an unconstitutional ordinance. It was interesting reading the citation. The citation was a bit inconsistent. On one hand, it said you, you failed to remove the sign. But on the other hand, it, it also said that you had snatched, in their words, the sign away from the officer. So if you had snatched the sign away from the officer, how could you have failed to remove it? She already had it. Um, and there was some other issues as well, notice issues, and then the constitutional arguments. Um, you know, it's, it's in a way, I, I, and I, I was joking yesterday on this, but I almost wanted to object to the city withdrawing <laughs> because it did not allow us to make our arguments. Instead, you've got this sort of arbitrary application of this ordinance floating around that will probably be misapplied again in the future. So if it is, we'll certainly be ready. Um, uh, Father, have you ever been cited or requested to leave? And, or have you ever known anybody that, you know, been in that situation in front of an abortion clinic? Uh, once in, in Michigan, I went up to the door to see the schedule and uh, the uh, escort uh, came over shouting right in my face, you know, to get away from here and uh, you're breaking the law, blah, 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 blah. Now, in my younger days, I would have decked them, but I was, you know, more mature, and uh, <laughs> I just walked away. Uh, that's about as close as it came to any kind of an altercation. Uh, another time, I was out on the sidewalk here in uh, Naples, and uh, there was a man walking on the sidewalk, and the one of the people came out of the uh, Planned Parenthood, and... Uh, began to say some vile and disgusting things to a couple of women. The man uh, got in between. Evidently, he touched the, uh, the client of Planned Parenthood, and uh, the, the man decked him. Uh, this is the, the, the client of Planned Parenthood decked him. And the police came, and uh, they would not press any charges because they said they had it on film that he touched the, uh, the client of Planned Parenthood first. Mm. So... Uh, we tried to get, you know, some uh, media attention, which we did. The police really weren't very cooperative. They said that he was in the wrong. So that's about as uh, close as I've come uh, to any kind of a, an altercation. I've invited them to uh, call the police on me. They never have. I, I think that uh, they, they realize that if I make the front page of the newspaper, they're going to be uh, sorry that they started because we'll finish. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times these um, municipalities in particular really, you know, they've got these probably unconstitutional applications of their ordinances or the, ap the, the ordinance is unconstitutional on its face. A lot of times they actually don't want the fight. Uh, and even at the state level, we've seen this in Illinois where I am, where Pritzker will sign some ridiculously draconian executive order. And as soon as he gets sued, uh, he'll fight it. He'll fight it. He'll fight it. And then right before it goes to the Supreme Court, right before the decision is made, he'll he'll cancel, you know, make it moot by withdrawing uh, the executive order. So we never get what, what that does is it's a win. But we don't, you know, the law requires uh, and relies a lot on precedent. Right. So we don't get that precedent showing for a fact that it was unconstitutional. Instead, I think that. Once, once you enter into the abortion facility, like the Red Rose Rescuers, I think that becomes a, a different uh, kind of a situation. Well, that's right. You're trespassing. Right. It would be, be kind of like um, pro-choice uh, protesters, you know, coming into a pregnancy center and right. you know, blocking the entrance, right? It's trespassing. 
Um, and so, you know, I, I think I think it's important, although, you know, I can I can be sympathetic to why uh, people would would do things like that. I, I also as an attorney and, you know, thinking practically, it's like, well, unfortunately, you know, we got to be smart. And, you know, there comes a point where I, I think if you open yourself up uh, by by breaking the law, uh, civil disobedience at times is probably certainly appropriate in certain circumstances, but you don't want to trespass. I, I don't think you want to get involved with a physical altercation, in, certainly inside of a, an abortion clinic. Uh, you're just going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. Now, maybe somebody wants to do that. Um, you know, that might be somebody's cross to bear, but it, it's not one that I necessarily recommend. Um, but man, it's a tough, that's a tough one. Um, it's, it's tough, you know, to think about that. Yeah, uh, well, I, we t- have, as you know, the, the, the FACE Act, you know, freedom of access uh, to the facility. Uh, I think that that one might be worth, you know, uh, pushing uh, against. Uh, but once you enter in, it's a whole different dynamic that takes place. Well, you're no longer on the public right away. If you're on the public right. right away, folks, you have every right to pray. You have every right to peacefully protest. It's when you obstruct the right away, when you trespass on somebody's private property. Um, but uh, from a legal standpoint, yes, is, is the FACE Act, by the way, is being challenged. There is are circumstances where you can uh, break the law because there is a higher good. However, you have to be willing to take the consequences of that. So there are some people who are martyrs and uh, legitimately so they believe that there is a higher good that they are defending. They may enter into a uh, abortion facility and uh, maybe distribute um, some information about pro-life. But there's gonna be a consequence for that. And uh, we've seen this with the Red Rose Rescuers, where they do go to jail, willingly go to jail, and they all evangelize while they are in jail. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a unique kind of a person. I usually advise people to abide by the law and to uh, peacefully protest and uh, also to remind them that uh, Sometimes there are bigger fish to fry, okay? So don't get tangled up in some kind of an altercation that's going to hurt you and hurt the cause when you can do these things through legitimate means without going to jail or without getting into a fist fight, okay? Yeah, don't ever lose hope Please believe in yourself Cause we've all been faced Wondering about your next step? Ashley was in school and pregnant when she reached out to the Pregnancy Resource Center. Would she be judged? Would she be accepted? What she found at LAPRC was a team of people who were committed to providing excellent care and compassionate support to those facing pregnancy decisions through authentic relationships that display grace, honor life, and foster community. If you or someone you know is in a situation like Ashley, or if you want to help support women and families in our community, you can find us at PregnancyResourceCenter.org. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. 
We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to catholicspiritradio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Why should we attend Mass? Where do we find the Mass in the Bible? For the answers to these questions and more, join Catholic Spirit Radio for its next Bible study about the Second Coming, the Bible, and the Mass. This 10-lesson video study features Scott Hahn and begins Thursday, October 12th at 6.30 p.m. The material fee is $25. Register by September 30th for in-person or Zoom participation. Contact Tony at 309-750-9062. An inspiring multimedia live performance about the first black Catholic priest in the United States will be performed for the public at 7 p.m. on September 9th at Peoria Notre Dame High School and on September 10th at Peru St. Beat Academy. We want no totems in this place. I shall work at it and pull at it as long as God gives me life. Get out of Quincy, go elsewhere, get! May I never give up. Learn more at ToltonDrama.com. Has Catholic Spirit Radio touched you? Maybe it has brought you closer to God or even into the church. Tell us your story. Call or text our listener comment line. If you like, you can remain anonymous. 773-541-4159. Welcome back to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this program. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to be sure to download the Catholic Spirit Radio app, as well as check us out on Facebook. That's Truth Culture Life Pod at Facebook. Um, And you can follow this program, and we will be posting links to all the different uh, websites that we talk about on today's show. Sierra, we haven't heard from you. Have have you ever... um, you know, had any experiences in front of an abortion clinic, like what we're talking about? We have not. I mean, I, like growing up, I was a part of Teens for Life. That was actually the first group I ever really was a part of that was, you know, political. And we used to go to Fargo quite a bit, which is about 45 minutes away and pray. And I was a part of Bison Catholics in college. Um, We would pray quite a bit outside the abortion clinic, but I never had any issues. And I don't know if that's just North Dakota nice or what. But uh, when Roe v. Wade was actually overturned, Fargo has a sister city to Moorhead, Minnesota. And so we have a trigger law in North Dakota. And so the abortion clinic raised over a million dollars in 48 hours and they picked up and moved to Moorhead. So now they're technically in Minnesota. So far, North Dakota has no abortion clinics, uh, but they were very strategic in the office that they picked. So instead of being having like a storefront and a sidewalk, they have a whole parking lot. Mm. So the people who pray or the people who advocate for like the abortion reversal pill, they're on the other side of the road. And then the um, patients could just drive into the parking lot and walk in. Interesting. So, so you can't, there's no way to stand in front of the, the facility because there's no sidewalk or something. Is that they bought the whole building. They bought okay. all of the land and everything. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting situation, but we still have quite a few people who go and pray. Um, I know that. So my aunt and I have family in Montana. And one time my aunt was praying outside of an abortion clinic in Billings, I think. And one of the people she was with got punched in the face wow. by somebody who was going in. I remember her texting me that. I was like, oh, my goodness. Well, but, yeah. Uh- the the late Joe Shiler. I mean, he was ninety years old. He would stand on the the bri- you know, the bridges in uh, downtown Chicago, and there's you know, he had paint thrown on him. He was punched. Um, 
I have had, we had a person when I was in Naples praying at the Planned Parenthood kind of drive up on the curb, like they were going to hit us and they swerved away, but they were trying to scare us. Um, you know, we get the, a lot of, uh, a lot of people wave with, um, it's sort of a funny wave. They only extend the, the, the middle finger when they're waving at you, but I always just wave back <laughs> when that happens. Um, a- Andrew, what, I mean, tell us about this particular facility. Is this, is this, is this like the place in Gainesville? This place is very strange. Have you ever heard of a building with no windows? Mm, I mean, yeah. this building doesn't have any windows. It's, it must have been built as an abortion mill. Um, it has some of those, you know, very tiny windows with very distorted glass that sometimes you have on, on a bathroom wall so no one can see in, but a little bit of light can come in. That's, a, that's all. And uh, it's, uh, there's one other abortion mill. Um, it's a college town so that, you know, there's 50,000 uh, students at the University of Florida, and then we have Santa Fe College. So there's a there's quite a lot of illicit sexual activity, you know, fornication, promiscuity, um, and then actually. So in addition to to the local business that the abortion mills get, Florida has become an abortion destination for the entire Southeast United States, because abortion has been severely restricted in Texas and Louisiana and some other states. And so we see these, uh, these license plates from out of state, Georgia and Mississippi. And, you know, the, we see them coming into this abortion mill. Wow. And I, I don't really understand that because, you know, uh, the state of Florida is going to court de- trying to defend a, a so-called 15-week ban on abortion. 15 weeks. Well, that's not much of a ban. Now, and, and Governor DeSantis has signed a six-week ban, which is much better. That would save many more babies. So I don't even know why they're bothering to defend the 15-week one. Why don't they just withdraw that and say, hey, now we have six weeks. That's the one we're going with. I don't get that. I think because the 15-week ban came first. I think that's how it happened. Well, they can still and withdraw it, I would yeah, think. It was, that, in the, but- it was in the pipeline. So is yeah. the six-week ban now active? Is that signed into law in Florida? Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's the, at the Supreme Court level. The court uh, is now ruling on it uh, as we it, speak. Yeah, that's probably has something to do with it. If the 15 week uh, week band is is uh, deemed unconstitutional, it probably would have ramifications for the six week band, um, depending on how it's worded. I mean, if it's identical or something like that, I don't know. That's an interesting okay. question. Yeah, the danger now is uh, that there is an attempt for a constitutional amendment that would legalize abortion uh, here in Florida uh, up to, uh, oh my, I think it's to term, you know, to viability. Is that a ballot measure? So people are petitioning, trying to get that as something that people. Yes. Yes. You got it. You got it, man. If that happens, you guys got to be ready because like we saw in Kentucky and Kansas, 95% of the money that poured into those States opposing pro-life ballot measures came from out of state. Out of state. The, the and, George uh, Soros, George Soros is great. paying a lot of that uh, money. I have is a question. Still, is that guy still alive? I mean, c- come on. Yeah, some- his, yeah, he's in his right. 90s. The son has taken over the a lot just of his activities. Right. And the son is very, very chummy with the Biden administration. So yeah. that's where a lot, of the, a lot of the money is coming from. But I want to ask you a question, Robin. Um, the bishops here in Florida are uh, not supporting a human life amendment. Do you know why? 
Yeah, I think I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, but let's go my, through it again. Yeah, my understanding is that it's simply a strategic. I mean, the explanation I have been given is that is it is a strategic decision not to support the ballot initiative, the pro life ballot initiative, because they believe they've got a majority in the house, the state house, and the state senate that they can pass pro life legislation, and that is the path of least resistance and the path of least scrutiny, and the fear being. That unless that a, a group that's not well capitalized trying to pursue a ballot measure is going to be creamed by the opposition, it will create negative press. It will create uh, sort of what we saw in Kansas and Kentucky, where you've got um, you've got these ballot measures that don't have the money to defend the nefarious advertisements pouring in from out of state. Now that's the excuse, and it sounds like a legitimate excuse, but um, I, I don't know. I think there's power in numbers. Imagine for a moment, um, you know, you've got a group. It, remind, it, it reminds me of the uh, Braveheart movie where you've got William Wallace fighting against the British and the, the you know Robert the Bruce says, yeah, I'll join you. But then he never does. And William Wallace is defeated in battle for the, the first big defeat he ever had. And the Robert the Bruce's armies never showed up. But imagine for a minute if they had shown up, that battle might have gone differently. And so I think about that, I, and I wonder, it makes me wonder, if the church and if you know religious groups got behind this ballot measure, maybe it's a David versus Goliath, but we've seen David win uh, well, before. I wanna, I wanna, we, we did discuss this part of it before, but right now with the uh, group trying to legalize abortion constitutionally in Florida, the amendment, yeah. the pro-abortion amendment, um, Imagine if that gets passed. I mean, what what's our battle plan against that? Yeah, well, they don't have one, and, uh, yeah. and so by the time, uh, hopefully, the the bishops will start paying attention to that. And I think if the church threw its weight behind that ballot measure, the the issue of money and the issue of publicity would be a lot less. It would be mitigated because you'd have the support of the church. And but the other problem is, from a financial standpoint, some of these. A diocese i know from you know experience you know they get you know that they they need to raise their own money so who, who knows but yeah um if it if, if money is the argument that's a bad argument to make not to support something that's on its face good there's nothing theologically wrong with the ballot measure that has been proposed by the group and and uh, i think they're out of orlando andy are you familiar right. with what we're talking about um not too familiar it's the florida pro-life ballot measure we've had the guy on this show before um, and I'll try to find a link if I can, but, um, yeah, on its face, it's an excellent measure. It would basically at the, um, uh, in the constitution codify a right to life and, uh, mm -hmm. essentially personhood. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, get, it would extend constitutional protections to, uh, to the unborn babies in Florida father. That's my, that's my memory of it. Is that sound yeah, right? I just, I think, I, I think that the, the bishops have to begin to rethink this. Of course they are fighting now very strongly against the constitutional amendment to uh, allow abortion. But what is going to be their, uh, yeah. their counterpunch? Now, is it incrementalism? You know, well, let's just work this incrementally uh, through the state legislature. Uh, well, I suppose that's, that's what they're aiming for. And the bottom line in all of this is uh, we have to change minds and hearts because uh, it, here in Naples now, they started doing uh, chemical abortions again at Planned mm -hmm. Parenthood. After so many years of doing nothing, no abortions, now the chemical abortions are back. Mm. 
That's a terrible thing. Yeah. Well, it, it really is. It's never ending. It's, it's like whack-a-mole. As soon as you uh, get one clinic to shut down, uh, another one pops up, um, at least at least in certain parts of the country. And then, of course, with the mail-order abortions, uh, Andy, are you? Are, is your group, I mean, is there anything that we can do um, to sort of protest these mail-order abortions? Well, I think TMS is doing, uh, doing a great job on that front. Um, especially, I mean, there are certain, certain places where abortion has been restricted and they're doing the, uh, you know, the mail order. And uh, I, I believe that, uh, that that's actually illegal uh, on the basis of the Comstock Act and, uh, and perhaps other statutes too. TMS is, is very much on top of that. Yeah, that's uh, great. And, and by TMS, uh, Andy is referring to the Thomas More Society. You can learn about Thomas More Society at thomasmoresociety.org. Uh, great uh, friends, and, and I work with them uh, regularly on different things. And I, I just really, the wonderful organization. We're out of time, Andy. I, I want to get into some things with Father and Sierra before we jump off. But you're welcome to stick with us for a minute if you'd like. Um, Sierra, the big question and I'll, I'll have to edit in a commercial break somewhere we, we didn't we didn't cut to one uh, just because the conversation was so good but Sierra's where on earth have you been yeah okay so the last month has been pretty wild um I spent a week in DC uh doing a few things out there that was pretty intense and so uh on Friday morning when we usually do a recording I actually was in a like 28 or 32 hour sleep deficit. (laughs) And so I was not in the right capacity to uh, do the radio show that day, but I actually had a few weddings as well. Um, So my best friend got married and uh, fun fact, I actually was invited to 12 weddings this summer. Wow. So I had to do some picking and choosing, but that might be, that might be as many as a father or C does in a summer. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't, but I don't have, I don't have to go to them. I mean, I do the ceremony and then I say goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, so we had all that. And then um, uh, my mom had a procedure done last week. And so that was, you know, at the same time as our recording that we always do, you know, accepting prayers for that. We're still waiting for some results from that. But um, yeah, it's been really busy. And I appreciate you guys holding down the fort. I apologize for being gone, but I'm happy to be back. Glad to have you. Father Orsi, anything big going on uh, or coming up on uh, your neck of the woods? Oh, yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on over here. Um, next week, we're going to be once again outside of Planned Parenthood. Uh, I think it's the uh, 14th anniversary uh, since we were out there originally when they first started performing abortions on uh, Creech Road. So uh, we're going to be out there again. Uh, and, uh, well, first of all, as a reminder of what was taking place there with the uh, surgical abortions, but now with the chemical abortions starting up again, uh, we're going to be out there uh, in force and trying to build up a group of folks that will go out there on a regular basis uh, to pray. And uh, the 40 days for life is going to be starting up again. So uh, we're going to put the the full force uh, pressure on them, uh, power of prayer to close them down once again. Uh, Also, of course, we have the uh, Jim Caviezel, event coming up on October the 19th and uh, tickets are going quickly. So uh, anybody that wants a ticket, they have to uh, go online, uh, actionforlife.net tickets, and uh, you can get a $500 ticket. That's the dinner 
uh, and a talk by Jim Caviezel. And then there's a $5,000 ticket that takes uh, two people and you have a cocktail party with Jim Caviezel. Uh, $5,000, you get a picture with Jim Caviezel. Five hundred, you get a picture with me. So I, I think uh, I know you prefer me, but I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the picture I would want. I've got some that's good a, pictures with Father Orsi. Uh, that's the one you're gonna get, me yeah. and you. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's interesting. I started when I first went to Ave Maria School of Law. I've got this pro-life law school, uh, you know, that had moved into Naples, and it was interesting. At the same time. Not long after the Planned Parenthood started doing these abortions that you're talking about. So I, I have a lot of um, really, I, I'd say, memories that strengthened my faith uh, with Father Orsi praying outside of Planned Parenthood with our Lex Vitae group at the time. And those years were just fantastic. I mean, it was such a strong presence there. I really hope you're able to build that presence back up, Father, because that's people probably forget. I mean, that abortion clinic effectively shut down, right? I mean, they stopped doing abortions there. Uh, the pressure became so great. The demand wasn't that strong. And so they left. But now they're back again. So that's now they're back. Uh, as I said, you know, now it's chemical. And I think it uh, came back because uh, I believe the state was challenged insofar as not allowing abortion pills to be sold over the counter. Mm. So therefore, if you can't get the pills over the counter in the drugstore, uh, you have to get them in a medical facility. And I think that that's what happened. Uh, Why okay. Planned Parenthood got back involved. Oh, it's uh, terribly sad. I think about the scene from the unplanned movie about Abby Johnson, where she gets yeah. the brown bag and how devastated she was after right. After that uh, chemical abortion, you know, occurred, it was. It's just all about with Planned Parenthood. It's all about money. They don't yeah. care about human beings. They care about money. It's being funded by the government, and that's why we have such a battle. Thank God, you know, God is on our side. But the battle is uh, that we're we're fighting actually uh, our own government, which is funding Planned Parenthood. That's why they have all the money to carry on the court cases. That's why. It's uh, it's sad because our, our government, um, you know, I used to be such a I used to be so excited and proud to be, you know, a, a citizen of the United States. And I, I hate to say it, but I, I still love this country. It's the greatest country that the world has ever known. But, man, we are so fundamentally messed up on so many levels from the mutilation of children to the abortion of children to marriage rights to you name it. Uh, priests being arrested, to pro-lifers being arrested, uh, political persecution by the at the highest levels of government, where you've got these partisan um, things going. I mean, it's just it it's kind of sad, and it, it just makes me think. You know, there are a lot of good people out there, but there's a lot of corrupt people out there too. So, but as Father Orsi mentioned, um, you know, we've got God on our side, and why is that? We're the culture of life versus the culture of death, and the culture of life wins. We already know that. We've already won. Um, so we just have to persevere and do what we can. Um, anyway, so listen, you're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. And you, thank you so much for joining us. If you get into trouble again, you know who to call. And, call Robin Hood. Uh, <laughs> call Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure it's not the last we'll, uh, we'll hear uh, from you and your situation there. So we'll keep trucking away. And uh, Father and Sierra, thank you for joining. I think we're all out of time. Father Orsi and Sierra, I'll give you to the last word. Okay, I'll just say the last word is this. It's perseverance. You know, things might look bad. Just remember, uh, God is on our side. 
and uh, the cross leads always to the resurrection. And with that on our side, we're, we're going to win. We're going to win. But keep going. Yeah, I just want to reiterate what Father said. I mean, may no weapon prosper against us because there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now. Um, I wanted to speak today a little bit about, you know, the Burning Man incident. And there's a lot of, you know, biblical things happening right now. But we'll have to get into that next week. Oh, so, Sierra, I wish we had time. Let's talk about that next week. I mean, even from like Dodger Stadium flooding, right? I mean, there was a, <laughs> there was a period in time where people would have paid attention to that. You know, now it's just, oh, it's just El Nino or whatever. So we'll talk about that next week. Stay tuned. Truth Culture Life, Catholic Spirit Radio. Thanks for listening. God bless. Oh,